Welcome to The Lorraine Murphy Show. If you're anything like me, you want a successful, abundant business, epic energy, a growth mindset, vibrant health, and beautiful relationships. And this podcast sets out to help us achieve all of that together. I've been in the entrepreneurship arena for almost a decade now and have mentored hundreds of other business owners. So I know what goes on behind the scenes and what it takes to succeed. This podcast shares the tips, tricks, learnings, and lessons I lean on in order to blend the different facets of my life as an entrepreneur, author, wife, and mama to two gorgeous little humans. Let's jump in to today's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Lorraine Murphy Show. I am excited to be recording this episode because it's a bit of a fun one and I actually forgot, which is mortifying while I was in Bali last month, that I actually marked 10 years in business last month. So on the 16th of May, I celebrated an entire 10 years of running my own businesses. So I'm devo that I didn't realize this when I was in Bali because I would have went to celebrate and it was only when we ticked over to June that I went, Oh my God, that was a really big deal. So this week, in this week's episode, I wanted to take a bit of a trip down business memory lane. And I sat down this morning and wrote out like each of those 10 years, the the the, the year, and what the biggest lesson was from that year. So basically what I'm doing with this week's episode is saving you the pain of learning the lessons that I needed to learn and by passing them on to you this week. So some things that I want to tell you about before I kick into self-same lessons is, first of all, bold darling doors are opening next week. So if you've been looking for the solution to help you grow your business without sacrificing yourself in the process, you will love Bold Darling. So I created this, uh, it's actually born two and a half years ago in Bali, and I finally launched it in March this year. So the group has been running since the 1st of April, and I'm opening doors again next week. So I thought it'd be a really nice window before end of financial year, and also to get new members onboarded before the first uh, quarterly planning day. So the next quarterly planning day is in early July. So I thought that would be a really good window to, um, yeah, to launch again. So I'm really, really excited to do that. You can expect two free masterclasses. I'm basically running with the very same launch strategy that I used in March. So there's two masterclasses and also there'll be quite a few extra podcast episodes happening over the next week or so as well. So keep your eyes peeled for those. And if you are on my email list, you will of course get an email about those as well. The first um, first masterclass is already announced. It's already live. So that's called Systemize Your Life so you can grow your business. And it's happening on Thursday, the 16th of June over lunchtime. So it's from 12 to 1 Australian Eastern Standard Time. And that one is pretty much how to systemize you and your life. Um, because if there's one thing I've learned, <laughs> I'm not going to include this lesson, but it's one of the lessons over, over the last 10 years. It's that when I have my shit together, everything is easier with my business. And, and I really do mean this. We cannot afford to drop balls when we have our own businesses, that the stakes are too high. And uh, I 
one of my bold darling group described a while ago. It's like, my life is a shit show. So pretty much what I'm planning on doing with this masterclass is to help you systemize your life so you can move from being a shit show <laughs> to a rock show, essentially. So yeah, that's happening on Thursday, 16th of June. And I'll pop a link to that in the show notes. There have been hundreds of people register already. And as I'm recording this, that the ads haven't even gone live yet. So I think that's going to be a biggie and would, of course, love to have you there as well. So on to my lessons. So if you're not aware, if you're kind of new to my story, my first business was a business called The Remarkables Group. And it was back then, we call them bloggers. It was the first talent agency for bloggers in Australia. I launched it in myself and Wade's spare bedroom um, at 8am on Wednesday the 16th of May and and I still remember that feeling of launching so clearly. Uh, Just the absolute nerves and the incredible excitement and the optimism and yeah and honestly starting it that morning I just had no idea what would unfold over the last 10 years. It's been such a big journey, you know, so many big highs and and also big lows and everything in between and, you know, big connections and big opportunities and big adventures. And it's just been really, really big. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for the 10 years that, that, that Wednesday morning (laughs) faithfully created for me. So I'm going to dive in. So the lesson. So as I said, I started the business in May 2012. So the biggest lesson from my first year in business was to educate my customers. So when I started the business, I had been working in a communications and PR agency called Naked Communications for two years. And I left that job in order to start my own business. And when I had been working within that agency, I'd been interested in the blogging space for probably a year, year and a half before I actually decided to start the business. And I pretty much educated that whole business. There was 60 of us all together in that business. And I just talked about the power of bloggers at every available opportunity. I was absolutely obsessed. And I also got to host. So I did some things off my own bat while in that role. So I I connected with some Aussie bloggers and now we call them influencers and I hosted like education evenings for them. I used to help them like package themselves up for brands. I used to do that in my own time in the evening and I used to use the office space of that agency to do those events. And I also got to create the the first blogger sponsorships in Australia with a few of my clients. So I just got to play a lot with the space. I got to educate my clients in that agency Uh, got to obviously educate my colleagues in that agency. And when I started the business, like when I actually went out and launched it, I just kind of assumed that everyone got bloggers. Like everyone was just as excited about it as I was. Everyone understood the space. Everyone, you know, all these marketers had thousands and thousands, thousands of dollars in their budgets already allocated to investing with bloggers. And, And the reality was the very opposite. I remember going to a presentation at a very big global PR agency. And there was about 20 people came to that presentation. So I basically said, Hey, I've launched this agency and would love the opportunity to come in and tell your team about it. I walked into the room and there were like over 20 people there and I freaked out. I was just like, Oh my God, this is so many people. So I like pulled out my presentation, bless my little sock, cotton socks. And I was presenting my new business. And I remember this guy, I still remember his face red hair guy 
was standing at the very back of the room and he just roared up to the top of the room at me. They should be called floggers, not bloggers. And, and there was that, there was a real sentiment of that when I started the business 10 years ago. You know, who are these people? They just, you know, create these little cute blogs and they think that they can just charge money. And, you know, why would we spend that money on them? And journalism and, you know, traditional media are so much more reliable and they're not biased and all of the things. Um, so yeah, I was a bit disheartened two, three months into the business. And I then read a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine, which is 100% required reading if you are starting or running a business or in any way involved in a sales role as part of your 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 employment. The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes is a brilliant book. I'll, I'll pop the, the title in the show notes as well. And what Chet Holmes talks about is the need for us to educate our audience. And and essentially what he talks about is education-based selling. And this was brand new to me. But when I read the book, I realized like, holy shit, Lorraine, like you're trying to sell something that your clients, these these potential clients actually have no idea what you're talking about. They don't understand the blogging space. They don't understand why they would invest, you know, time and free product, never mind money, which I was asking them to cough up in the space. They just do not get it on any level. And I guess what I realized is I, I I didn't realize I was as much of a pioneer as 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 I was. You know, I really did see this opportunity in this space. So what I then decided to do is I put together, I think I called it like blogger 101 or bloggers 101. And and I started instead of you know reaching out to brands and agencies saying, hey, can I come tell you about my business? I'm so excited about it. You know, come let me come and tell you why you should spend all your money with me. Um instead I said, I'm offering this, the the energy of it was very different. I'm offering this um free workshop. I can come in over lunch with with your team. It's a 90-minute training session all around this emerging blogging space. I talked about the legalities of the space. I talked about, you know, the kind of what the realistic KPIs were. I talked about best practice when engaging bloggers. It was a really kind of goodness of my heart to come and train them on this information. And what was really fascinating was I got bites straight away. I had brands saying, yeah, this sounds great. You know, please, please let us know when you can come in. So I went to the likes of Nestle, Qantas, Flight Center up in Brisbane. Uh, there was so many, you know, big brands, Woolworths that I got into to do that session with. And what I realized was like up until then, particularly on the brand side of things, like the big corporates, I was kind of getting like two junior lowly people, if that, who would kind of come to my, you know, my sad little sales meeting. <laughs> and, and what I realized when I started to do that, ed- those educational events, I started to get like 20, 25 people in the room. I remember walking into Nestle and there was 18 people in the room and I was just like, uh, there's no way in hell I would have gotten you in the room if you thought I was just going to come and sell to you. So that was a really, really big education process, you know, and it took me about kind of four or five months to figure that out, that I was trying to sell people something that they literally did not understand. So when I actually started to educate my clients, a few things happened is one, they felt much more comfortable in the space and, you know, more comfortable exploring, potentially investing in it. And um, second was that even if they weren't ready to buy right then, because I was the person who had reached out to them and proactively come and trained their team, when they were ready to spend and they did start to get excited in the space, because, you know, I'm assuming you listening understand how big the influencer marketing space went on to be. 
when they were ready to go, I was the first person. I was, I, I was front of mind for them because I was seen as an expert. You know, anyone who stands at the top of the room talking, <laughs> even if they're talking complete crap, will be seen as an expert. It's a positioning thing. So that was an absolute game changer for me because the business really started to take off because my clients finally understood what I was trying to sell them. They felt safe. They felt educated and they felt like they had someone that they could trust to, to, to guide them into, you know, their first foray into influencer marketing, which, as I said, was a brand new space. So that was my biggest lesson from 2012, my first year in business. And it's one that I pass on to my mentees all the time. You know, thinking about if, if you have your own business or you're planning a business, do your customers or your potential future customers, do they actually understand what you're selling? And if not, then you've got an education piece, an education job on your hands to do because people will not buy something that they do not understand. Full stop. <laughs> so 2013, so this was year two in business. My biggest lesson this year was to really invest in growing my profile. And I guess some background, when I started the business, I was, you know, the middle manager of middle managers. I had no industry profile. Uh, it was, you know, it wasn't me who was getting quoted in me marketing industry titles. It was my boss's 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 boss. You know, that's how lowly I was in the pecking order of, of the agency and of the business. And it actually really hit me when I was writing the website copy for the, the first website for the business. And I wrote the like about Lorraine and it was like pathetic. It was like two or three lines long. And because I hadn't really done anything, like obviously I'd worked in public relations, I'd worked in London, I'd worked in Dublin, I'd most recently worked in Sydney, but I hadn't done any speaking. I hadn't won any awards. I hadn't kind of done any of the inverted commas traditional tick boxes that make people feel like actually, yes, this person is probably an expert. And, and something I actually did, and it's something I, I coach my mentees to do now is I wrote my dream bio. So I had this worksheet of something I share within my Bell Darling group. And, and I had like prompts for myself on in, in five years time, or I think it was in a year's time. It depends. You can pick whatever date you want. I think I'd said in a year's time, what are all the things that I will have done that will make me seem like the expert that I want to be, you know, really position me as the expert that I want to be. And I identified awards that I'd like to win. I identified speaking as something, you know, that Lorraine is an in-demand public speaker. And I also included, um, you know, at some point I would like to be an author. I didn't realize I would go on to do four books, which is pretty cool. And I also had like, I was a guest lecturer at universities. And so I made almost like, it's like a wish list essentially of all the things that I would like to have done, achieved in a year. Uh, and then with each of those kind of prompts, I then crafted that into my future bio. I called it my dream bio, my dream biography. And, and that really became like my mission to go and, and manifest <laughs> that dream bio. And, and I went on to do it. And I really credit that effort that I put in, like that elbow grease that I put into my profile in 2013 as planting, you know, laying the foundation stones for what I'm doing right now, like for this podcast, for my four books, for the fact that I got to sell my first business, build my second, that I, yeah, I've gotten the speaking opportunities that I've gotten to have, you know, that that started the inception of that profile, the profile that I now have is it, it started back in 2013. So it's something that I advise not all my mentees to do, because I feel like the profile piece needs to come once you have got, you know, a reasonably 
your business is reasonably established. I was just uh, doing a wrap up session today with one of my power quarter mentees who's just wrapped up, wrapped up with me as of today. And she's keen to go ahead. So we're, we're diving into another block of three months together, which I'm really, really excited to work with her. And something I've got on our agenda for this next block together is building her profile. Uh, she didn't have the bandwidth or the time to focus on that over the last three months because we were so busy working on her team and where she wants to be and just freeing up some spaciousness for her in her week. And going forward now into this next block together, that's front and center for me is to help her really establish establish her profile. Um, she's an expert in her space, but She's not that well known. So that's, that's kind of, yeah, mission, mission control for the next three months with that mentee, for example, is to help her build her profile. So that's, yeah, the biggest lesson from 2013. And, and I do believe that building a profile, it's, it's one of your key, key, key priorities as as a business owner. And, you know, a great example of this is Richard Branson. He always says that he was his own best marketing tool for the Virgin Brands. And, you know, you still see him doing his, crazy, stupid, ridiculous, newsworthy stunts now. Um, But you really are, I I didn't spend a dollar on marketing in my first business for about four years. We never spent a dollar. And yet we went on to secure multi-million dollars of revenue, take out tons of awards. As I say, get to do amazing speaking and have brilliant opportunities. So, and attract brilliant talent to to the business as well. So, that's why um, actually in September for my Bold Darling group, the whole month of September is dedicated to building their profile and building their influence as well. So it's a really, really big focus. And, and as I said, a huge lesson from me from, from year two in business. So year three was 2014. And what I learned in this year was to invest in myself. So I'd invested in the business, you know, the legals, the website, the branding, the logo, the you know, happy, you know, get togethers for, for the influencers that we represented and for my team. I didn't obviously invest in building a team around me. And I got to a point about just almost two years, just under two years into the business. And I called it Black November. I was, I mean, lol. <laughs> I look back at it now after being up five times with my children last night and I go, oh, I was really tired back then. <laughs> oh, bless. Lorraine didn't know what tired was. But I was tired. I had, you know, really put a lot of energy and momentum into getting the business launched. We were really starting to get some traction. We were working with some really big clients. We had massively increased the number of influencers that we represented. My team was growing. We were in an office space. And, but I just, I hit a bit of an energetic wall. I went on a speaking tour for, I did five dates, five cities in 10 days all over Australia. And I got back and I just was not good. I was absolutely exhausted. And I remember bursting into tears because Wade had bought non-organic broccoli. And that's when I went, okay, Lorraine, there's, you're not good right now. Like you're, you're, you're really not, not quite <laughs> your full self right now. And I went to see, I think it was actually the day after I got back from the speaking tour. I went to see Jackie, my kinesiologist, who I still work with today. And she, uh, yeah, she, she read me the riot act on letting myself get so, so uh, depleted. And, and I really did realize then, okay, I need to, I need to turn this around. Like I need to invest in myself because 
you've launched this business, it's going really well, like you are going to absolutely sabotage the crap out of this business um, if you don't start investing in yourself and looking after yourself. So a few different things I did. First of all, I, I actually went out for a coffee with one of my old colleagues from Naked Communications, that agency I'd worked in. And Oh, sorry, there's a dog barking outside. I thought that was one of my children. I'm recording this at night when the two kids are down. And I went for coffee with Michelle, her name was. And she'd kind of been someone, when I'd worked with her, she was always kind of just like, just like one breath away from being like frazzled. She was never like a stress bunny or, you know, in a flap, but she just had a lot on her plate. And the pace she worked at was very fast and she was a bit, um, how can I describe it? Just a bit breathless, if that makes sense. You know, someone who's like, okay, next thing, next thing, as we all are sometimes. And when I caught up with her, so it was about like, yeah, maybe, yeah, it was like probably, yeah, it was a couple of years after I'd started the business because this is year three. And I caught up with her for coffee at Westfield and Bonner Junction. And she was just so light and so happy and so energized and not stressed and we were about 10 minutes in and I was like, uh, Michelle, I know this is like really rude, but like, what have you done? What are you taking? Because I need some of this. This is right in the middle of, you know, the whole Black November experience. And she said to me, oh, that's so funny you've asked. I've been working with this business coach. So I said, okay, what's his number? I need him now. I need him in my life right now. And she gave me his number and I called Ronan. His name was, I've actually interviewed him on the podcast. I called him at 8am the next morning. I was so desperate to work with him. (laughs) And he said, come in for a conversation. You know, I I spend an hour with someone before I start working with them just to see if the fit is there and so on. So I went in to meet him in the city in Sydney and spent an hour with him. And he kind of described how we worked. He called it like, I think the first month it was called like boot camp where we had like an intensive session and then we saw each other every week. And then after month one, then it kind of backed off to, you know, more of like a maintenance program, essentially. And I think it was, I think it was four and a half, five grand for that first month. And then I think it went to about three grand for each month after that. And, you know, I was, I, I hadn't been focusing on sales because I was, you know, being a stress bunny. And I didn't, I couldn't, that, that I had the money in the business, but it was, you know, my, 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 my rainy day fund. And, I said yes to to Ronan in that session and we started working together following week. And I remember talking to one of my friends who was kind of like as a bless him, a voluntary CFO in the business with me. And I told him how much I just committed to spending on the, the business coach. And he nearly fell off his chair. He was horrified. And and I remember saying to him, I was like, look, I know it's so much money, but I cannot put a price on my unhappiness. And right now this business is making me miserable and there has to be a better way. And I said, I really trust this coach. And and I said, I'm 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 doing this. And and I did it. And I worked with Ronan for I think a good two years. And then I did another couple of blocks with him after that as well. Um so that was a huge investment in myself, not just financially, but also energy-wise and mental bandwidth-wise. You know, where where I was sitting back then, like I didn't I I felt stressed. I felt like my days were full. And honestly, when Ronan was saying how much time he would need with me, I was like, there's no way, like there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to do that. But but I did. I prioritized myself when it came to the money in the business and also the time in the business. And I am so glad I did that because after that month, I felt like a different person. And when was this? I think I've been working with Ronan about a year and he read back to me for whatever reason he read back to me some snatches of you know what I had said to him in those early sessions in that first month and I couldn't believe how flat I sounded how depressed I sounded how hopeless I sounded just how low vibe I was and 
I actually said to him, I was like, there's no way I said that to you. There's no way. And he said, Lorraine, this is in my notes. This is what you said. And I had never experienced that, you know, working with someone, how they could actually turn around me, you know, never mind my life or my business, but turn me around. It was transformational. And I'm so grateful for that because I feel it gave me the trust to back myself and continue to invest in myself. So I invested quite a lot of money in spending a day with a business coach around December to essentially help me midwife Bull Darling into the world. And and I'm so glad I did because look at what Bull Darling is now, you know, it, it was a brilliant investment. And, and other things that I learned to invest in myself, I invested in health coaching with my beautiful Claire Obeid back when she was a health coach. And I also invested, this This wasn't an expense, but it was a big time and energy um, investment. I started a non-exec advisory board. So I went to three people that I really, really respected in, in the entrepreneurial marketing comms industry. And I asked if they would sit on a board and I would catch up with them once a month. They would come to my office in Surrey Hills. Like even now I'm like, how did I wangle that? Seriously, like the amazing people I had in that room. And, and they would spend an hour with me. I would pre- prepare my board report. I would send it through 48 hours before the meeting and, and I would walk them through the different areas of the business. And I would have, I call them my red cards. I'd have two red cards, which was essentially like the two burning issues that I wanted their input on. So maybe that was hiring and um, it might be a client issue and it might be, you know, future strategy of the business. And that was amazing. So between having Ronan, the coach, having the health coaching, having the board in place, I was, yeah, it's like night and day that the person I was going into that versus how I was afterwards and ongoing from there. And and really what I realized is that I am my own best asset in the business. And I, I say this to my mentees constantly, you know, when they are good, everything is good, your business, your life, your family, your relationships, your health. And unfortunately what happens, and you know, this is kind of coming back to Bull Darling again, this is exactly why I created Bull Darling is that We don't need to sacrifice ourselves on the altars of our businesses. We can be happy, uh, we can be energized, and we can have kick-ass businesses that pay us great money and give us the flexibility to do whatever the hell we want to do in our lives. So I would just pass that lesson on to you, you know, that investment in yourself. You're, you're, you know, there's some, and this, you know, when you hear people who've been burned, you've worked with coaches before and it didn't work out or they got ghosted and just like, it makes me feel sick when it happens. But, you know, that's very, very few and far between. And I think if you do your due diligence, you choose to work with coaches and mentors who are trusted, who they've got, you know, people who will happily recommend them. Uh, you follow their work for a while. You feel like you connect in with it. And, you know, maybe that's you listening right now. You've been kind of skirting around Bull Darling and maybe you kind of skirted around it in March and, and you're really thinking about it now. You know, maybe that's you. So do your due diligence, you know, look at my testimonials. <laughs> listen back to podcast episodes. You know, what, what you see is what you get with me. It's either going to be exactly what you want or it's not. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. But really, it's it's very, very difficult to make a bad investment in yourself. You know, if you think about it, businesses come and go, team members come and go, and you are the one constant throughout your career and your businesses. So invest in yourself. Make that asset the very, very best that it can be. So in 2015, I was into, this was my fourth year in the business. And at this point, I had built a team of probably six, not including myself, I think. It would kind of stretch up and down. Like we would, I would hire sometimes someone on a contract for three months just to kind of (laughs) 
road test them and and then make them permanent employees after that. So yeah, we kind of were averaging around seven people in the team, including me at around around kind of year four mark. And we would do our quarterly planning days. So we would spend the first half of the day reviewing the previous quarter, the second half planning the quarter ahead. At the start of every year, I would get the team together and we would share our personal goals for the year as, as a team with each other as well, so that we could really support each other. Um, throughout that year to, to make those goals a reality. And what I did in 2015 was a, a retreat. So we did our first ever team retreat. I'd taken the team like off site for the day each quarter. And, and this time I said, I actually want to take them away for three nights. Like I want to love on them. Uh, but also I want to really go deep into the business with them. I feel like in year four, it was getting to the point where, you know, it wasn't the Lorraine show anymore. There was a, a growing team around me who were very capable and very smart and, you know, lucky, lucky for me, um, very, very invested in the business and the division of the business. So I said, I want to take them away. I want to love on them. And I want to see, you know, what have they got that they want to contribute to this business? So we booked a farmhouse in the Hunter Valley. Uh, it's about, for those of you who aren't locals to Sydney, it's about two hours outside Sydney and it's in the wine region. So kind of northwest of Sydney. I'm probably getting my maths, my geography terrible right now. And so I booked three nights and, and I took them away. So we had, um, God, I'm trying to remember how we even managed food. Oh yeah, that's what we did. So we meal planned. Of course, I go straight to the food. We meal planned as a team. So each team member cooked two meals. And uh, was it one meal or two meals? I can't remember. I think, yeah, every team member cooked one meal. And then we had this big like master shopping list that everyone added to. And then my assistant went and did this epic shop. And and then, yeah, we took turns cooking breakfast, lunch or dinner for each other. And we had some really brilliant sessions. So we did a big uh, session on StrengthsFinder. Uh, we did a blue sky brainstorming session. Uh, we did, uh, we planned our next quarter. So we, we went really big on planning. We did our kind of quarterly planning day as part of the retreat. And we also had some fun. I surprised the team with a, a dawn hot air balloon ride, ride that we say flight over the Hunter Valley, which was just magical. I still love the photos of that, that morning. And, and then what I actually did, I thought it was the best surprise ever, but they all knew exactly what had happened, was happening. Um, we all had partners in the, in the, the all boys. We had, um, yes, we had all boy partners and, uh, we, I had planned for the boys to come up on Saturday night. So we were away Thursday and Friday night and I'd arranged for all the partners to drive up on Saturday. So Wade was driving up with all the partners on the Saturday, the Saturday night. And, um, yeah, so they drove in and, you know, they were pretending to be surprised but they weren't at all because they totally knew what was going on but it was so fun to have the partners there as well we played I don't know if you know um, the board game Articulate it's so fun we did like yeah our team versus our partners then we did boys versus girls and it just got so competitive we myself and we still laugh about it and the team was so good um, and that was amazing, you know, to have that bonding time, that just time away from all the kind of the business busyness and, and really just to tap their brains. You know, they had some brilliant, uh, ideas and inputs into the strategy. And, and I was actually on that quarter in that quarterly planning session. We, we planned this epic quarter. So if you're not familiar with my quarterly planning, structure i select five rocks it's it's Vern harnishes um he's a business author and speaker and entrepreneur that i love and he talks about the five rocks so we should have five rocks for the quarter ahead so this is something that i work with 
the Bull Darling group every quarter. So for example, the next quarterly planning day is in early July. And I'm really excited because I've offered an in-person option. So we'll do, they normally happen virtually. Um, but this time I'm also doing it. Uh, people can come in, in real life as well, which is going to be so fun. And that's just for this July one. I just thought it'd be fun to, to do that. Um, yeah, just so people can have some IRL time. And also, you know, we should have lots of new members then as well. So they're, they're, they're welcome to come join us for that as well. So anyway, we, the, the quarterly planning structure I use as part of Bill Darling is something I've been doing myself for nine and a half years at my own businesses. So we planned out this quarter at this Hunter Valley retreat and it was epic. I think the biggest quarter we had done to that point was maybe 500k revenue. And at that Hunter Valley retreat, we designed a quarter that was 850k in revenue. And I committed to the team. I said, if you make this happen, if we make this happen together, I will take you to Uluru for two nights and we will do the um, dining under the stars. This is an incredible stargazing experience that you can do in Uluru, just looking at over you know, the rock and the, the desert is just magic. So I said, I'll, I'll do that. You, we hit 850 and, and we'll do that. And we did it. We hit 8851 <laughs> the last night of um, before that quarter ended. And I still believe to this day, there's no way we would have hit that target without that deep investment in the team that we had from that retreat at the start of that quarter. What that three days engendered over the following three months was just next level amazing. So that was my big lesson that year was to love on my team, invest in my team, create experiences and create containers of time to to work with them, you know, to do the thinking rather than the doing all of the time with the team. And and it's actually something that I've coached quite a few of my mentees on, you know, how do they design their offsites? How do they design their their yeah, the culture and and what does that look like within their unique business as well? And yeah, it's something that we're focusing on what month is that for Bull Darling? It's the relationships month. I think it's August. I haven't got my schedule right in front of me. But yeah, we've got a month on relationships in Bull Darling. And uh, for my masterclass, I'll be focusing on culture and how to build a rockstar culture, including how do you plan these, you know, retreats for one, if it's just you right now in your business or for a team as your team grows. Uh, and then I'm really excited then because Robert McKeever, who I've also interviewed on the show before, uh, he's a relationship therapist. He's a therapist that myself and Wade have worked with, and I've sent many a mentee to him as well. And he's actually going to be focusing on, in his expert masterclass that month on how we can nurture our relationships, our personal relationships while building businesses, you know, that, that, that they're not kind of thrown into the, the scrap heap just because we're busy with their businesses that we get to nurture, you know, the diff- different elements of our lives at the same time as well. So yeah, that was year four. So 2016, lesson number five, year five, was, um, this sounds like a cheeky one, but sell it before it's ready. And and let me explain what I mean by that. Until this point in the business, we had just done influencer marketing. We'd offered content, branded content on our bloggers' channels, and it was going really, really, really well. And I had had an idea. I sat on it for a year or two, as I I can do sometimes, because I I kind of, I strike when the timing feels right and hadn't felt right until this point, exactly like I did with Bull Darling. (laughs) I sat on it for two and a half years till it felt ready and they, they, they felt like the timing and the stars had aligned ready to launch it. So it was the same for, for this concept I had had for a couple of years. And what I wanted to create was a talent search concept for up and coming bloggers in Australia. So how I described it was like Australia's next top model, but for bloggers, <laughs> essentially. And it was essentially, it was a sponsorship platform. And even now looking back at it, it was just 
genius, even if I do say so myself. So what I wanted to do was create a, a talent search concept where there would be like certain categories. And in year one, I wanted to have beauty, well-being, fashion and travel as the four categories. And then what we would do is we would issue this massive call out for any up and coming influencers to to apply to be, I called it rising social star. And and I love the idea. I could see it had massive legs in terms of brands getting involved and wanting to invest into it. It also had brilliant legs because it helped us because it was a way of finding that almost like uncovering that, that, that emerging talent that we always wanted to be on top of. Like we wanted to uncover them before any of, at this point, we had a lot of competitors before any of those <laughs> could, could could find them. And and then the other thing was it worked brilliantly for brands because obviously the brands loved working with the bloggers that that we represented but like anything, they always want to know, you know, people always want to be ahead of the curve on that that next big thing or the next big person before they kind of explode onto the scene. So I created this concept in my head and then I created a PowerPoint presentation of what this was going to look like, like an overview of, of what this would look like. And I remember uh, it was actually Priceline and I had been talking to them for years, like since I had launched the business four years beforehand. And I had been in touch with Priceline saying, you know, I went down there in Melbourne, they're in Camberwell. I don't know if they still are, but they were then. And I would go see them every time I was in Melbourne, you know, talk about the new bloggers that we had signed, what we were doing, you know, very gently say, hey, do you want to finally work with us? And it was always, they were always lovely and gracious and so professional, but they just didn't bite, essentially. And I was going down to Melbourne again. It was actually for a speaking gig. And I reached out to the the team of Priceline again and said, hey, I've got this new thing. I know, you know, obviously you haven't kind of jumped in with the influences that we represent yet, um, but maybe you might like to see this new thing. So, and they said, yes, as they always did, would love to see you, Lorraine. It's always great to catch up. So I, uh, I, I went to Melbourne and I was pretty much just armed with this PowerPoint presentation in my, on my laptop. It was loaded onto my laptop and, and I opened it up and I presented Rising Social Star to, to the Priceline team. And within 10 minutes of me starting that presentation, they said, yeah, we want it. We're in. We want the well-being category because at the time they were really trying to um, market the fact that they were like a health food and products destination as well as beauty. And they also wanted the beauty category as well. And I had just slapped a price on it because I had no idea. I had never built anything like this before. And I had put a an investment of 25K per category. And with my intention being that if I sold all four categories, that would be revenue of 100K. And so Priceline saying, yes, we want in now, that was a 50K investment. And they were pretty much buying a PowerPoint. <laughs> and, you know, I just love that I did that because... I see a lot of people in my community over-egging things, you know, getting it to within an inch of its life to perfection. And, you know, I can't sell it yet because it's not perfect. And, you know, really agonizing over getting it absolutely nailed. And, And the thing with that is, you know, there's such opportunity calls to that. So I really love that lesson of selling it before it's ready because, I remember walking out of that meeting and calling Tessa, who was my 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 buddy on it within my team, and calling her and saying, "Tessa, uh, we have to do this now." 
was such a cool, such a cool call to make because I said, I think we just, I think we just made us 50 grand for something that isn't even real yet. Um, and then of course, because we had Priceline on board, then I was able to go to Bonds and say, Hey, would you like the fashion category? They said yes, because, you know, there's the social proof and the, the, it was edified from Priceline already jumping on board. And, and then I got Qantas on board for travel. So it was just like the dream list of clients for, an outing, you know, the first outing of something like that, which was Rising Social Star. So, um, yeah. So of course, then we had to make it happen and, and we made it happen. We implemented it. We did it again the following year and, uh, it was huge. It was one of my favorite things that I did as part of owning that business. And so, yeah, my lesson, sell it before it's ready. And just recently I was working with one of my mentees. Um, she's in the HR space. She's actually part of the Bull Darling group. And she is offering at the moment, she's offering consulting services essentially. And she's got an idea for an online course, an online offer that she wants to create. And of course, she's planning out what the course is going to be like and what it's going to be named and what the branding is going to be and how it's all going to work. And, and I said to her, reach out to one client between now and our next session, reach out to one client and just say, Hey, I'm working on this thing. It's going to be, you know, doing X, Y, Z. Is this something you'd like to know more about? You know, I'm, I'm letting you know early because you're a really trusted and valued client. And, and I said, just, just, I told her the story about the rising social star experience as well. You know, it's just selling it before it's ready. And the great thing about doing that as well is that, you know, we didn't spend days and hours and months and, you know, months building this thing that might not have sold. Like we built it. Sorry, we sold it and then we built it. It's just a way more, particularly when you're in that scrappy, still in the early days of of business, you don't have years like maybe a corporate might have to to invest in a new product development. You need to be scrappier. You need to be smarter. You need to be savvier. So yeah, sell it before it's ready was my lesson um, from 2016. And of course then as well, you know, there's persistence as well. I could have just said, oh, price sign, I've met them three times. They're not interested. And it's just being persistent. And maybe the people that aren't buying just yet, maybe you just haven't created the right thing for them to buy yet. If I look at the women who joined Bull Darling when I when I first opened doors back in March, there are women in there that I have never heard of. As in, they have never commented on anything. They don't reply to my emails. As in, you know, send my Monday mentor. It's not like I've been emailing them personally and they haven't replied. And yeah, they're just, they just weren't on my radar. And yet so many women literally came out of the woodwork and said, yep, yeah, bold darling. Yeah, I'm in. And I was like, whoa, A, who are you? And B, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, be persistent, keep those relationships going, particularly if people are still keen to talk to you. You know, they're obviously interested in you or what you're offering. You, they're interested in you and what you stand for, but maybe you just haven't created the right offer for them yet. So yeah, be persistent on multiple fronts. That's the other kind of, um, sub lesson as part of my 2016 lesson. And now 2017. (laughs) So in 2017, so we got pregnant with Lexi in, God, I should know this. When did we get pregnant? September, September, 2016. So in 2017, uh, heading into the year, I was 20 weeks pregnant. I was 20 weeks pregnant on New Year's Day, I think. We were in Vanuatu on our baby moon. And I was doing like my annual planning and thinking. Myself and Wade were both doing our thinking when we were on that trip. And yeah, I was, what, 20 weeks away from being due to have my first baby. And the business was still quite reliant on me. I had a brilliant... GM uh, had a great team. Our business was high. The business was highly systemized. And yeah, there were other people selling other than me in the business, but it was still quite dependent on me. Like I couldn't have just 
gone, okay, bye. I'm gone now for three months and the business would have been okay. Like it, it, it wasn't, that, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the, the position I was in at 20 weeks pregnant. So what I learned in 2017 is that you can get a lot done uh, in, the, in, the, in the duration of a pregnancy. So when I was actually seven weeks pregnant, I two things happened. One, my GM, who was also my best friend, Sarah, uh, told me that she, she was basically burnt out and we decided that she, it was the best thing for her was to leave the business. And if you can imagine, she had been in the business with me for two and a half years. She was like my ticket to being able to go and have a baby. And I wrote about this a lot in my third book, Baby Remarkable. So when she said she was leaving, I was like, how the F am I going to do this? I wanted, you know, at this point I wanted to get pregnant. Yeah, I wanted to get pregnant, but wasn't pregnant yet. And so Sarah said she was leaving and, and then she went away. She went back to Ireland. She's from Ireland as well. Went back on a trip, I think. And, and I actually found out when she was away that I was pregnant and I said, okay, Sarah's leaving. She was like my whole pass to going and being able to do this baby thing because our bloggers trusted her probably more than me. (laughs) They loved her. And I knew that I could step out to have a baby if Sarah was kind of the safe pair of hands holding the business and, and holding those relationships together. So when Sarah said she was leaving, I was like, okay, this, it, it did throw me for a hoop for a bit. And then I had already been pondering on, I don't think our model is the model that's going to thrive in future. At this point, we probably had about 30 different operators in the space, not direct competitors, all of them, but people who were, you know, uh, businesses who were selling influencer marketing in one way, shape or form. And I realized, okay, this is, there's an opportunity here because I'd been toying with creating a second arm of the business, which was a strategic arm. And the more I thought about it, and this actually happened quite quickly in the space of probably a week, I said, I think the model that's going to be needed by our clients in the future is a strategic model that will objectively design influencer strategies and then go find the right influencers to, to, to see those strategies through, as opposed to what we had had until this point, which was a talent agency where we had bloggers signed to us and then we would go and sell them. We were like almost like the store of bloggers. So the challenge I was starting to run into is as our clients became more au fait with the influencer marketing space was that they didn't necessarily just need us to sell them influencers. They needed us to sell them strategies. And of course, you've got a baked in conflict if we're going to be the strategic, the, the strategy owners, but also we've got kind of the, the conflict of, well, these are also the influencers that we represent that, that there's a challenge there. You know, I feel like that integrity wise, that kind of us riding, sitting on both sides of the fence wasn't going to work. So I made a massive decision, which was to completely change the business model and to resign all of our talent and to instead position ourselves as an independent, objective, um, agnostic, strategic business where we would work with directly to brands. We didn't, we weren't going to work with agencies like media agencies, PR agencies, creative agencies anymore. And, and we were going to be essentially the strategic arm of, for our clients. Uh, so it was epic. So at seven weeks pregnant, I got on a plane and I went to see all of our talent in person all around Australia. Um, it was huge and they were incredibly gracious. It was a big curveball for them. And um, and then over kind of the following two to three months, we we gradually wrapped up our relationships with them. I 
built relationships with other talent agencies and then matched them up and made introductions and, and, and tried to make that as seamless a transition as possible. And I actually just saw one of our influencers that we did hand over to another agency. She just did a, a post on Insta last week and she was at like her agency's big, like it was like it was a movie fest premiere they went to, all the influences together. And she just seems really happy with that agency. So I was like, cool. That's like, what, five years she's been there, which is just amazing. So yeah, I, I pivoted the business. I onboarded a partner. So I found an equity partner, someone who was going to buy into the business. I managed to, you know, hand over clients uh, to that partner so I could step out of the business for three months to to do Babyland part one or take one. Babyland two was with Wilder. So yeah, it was absolutely epic. And I also wrote a good chunk of Get Remarkably Organized, which was my second book as well. So yeah, I, I realized that you really can get a lot done in a short period of time. <laughs> particularly when you've got a deadline like a baby looming, not looming, sorry, that sounds really negative, you know, eagerly anticipating baby's arrival. Um, but yeah, I think we can get ourselves in a, you know, knickers in a knot a lot with, you know, there's so much to do, it's going to take forever. But when you're really laser focused, like I was, and as I said, you've got a, a deadline that's not movable, <laughs> i.e. baby, um, you can get a lot done. That was my big lesson in 2017. Now, 2018, so at the end of 2017, uh, I came back into the business in September after having Lexi. Lexi was born in June. And I felt within within a month, I felt like I'm just, this isn't lighting me up anymore. I loved my team, uh, loved what we had created, but the influencer marketing space just wasn't, it wasn't my be all and end all. And I guess that's, you know, maybe what happens as well when, when you've had a baby and the baby becomes the be all and end all. Um, but at the time then I was also doing more and more mentoring. I'd been running a mastermind for a year already, which was kind of with my Lorraine Murphy hat on. And, and I really loved that side of my business. It was, as I described it back then, when I made the decision, it was my soul on firework, getting to mentor if mostly female entrepreneurs, getting to write my book, to do my, I did a bit of speaking, that was stuff that really excited me. And I just realized that maybe this influencer marketing chapter, maybe it's coming to quite an organic end and maybe it's time to go and pursue the soul on fire stuff as it work, as I, as I called it. So I called my business partner on a Monday morning and said, I think I want to sell you the business if you want it. She said, yes. And very quickly within like six weeks, I remember signing the, um, signing over all the, the, the agreements to sell her the business. It wasn't Christmas Eve, but it was like the last day of work um, before we broke for Christmas. So yeah, and I was really, I kind of had that in my head that I just want to come into the new year 2018, like with a blank canvas to, to, to create from. Um, so then in 2018, I, well, I went to, God, it was, it was a huge year. I did a lot of mentoring back in Sydney for a couple of months. And then I went to, we, we bought a house in, in the Gold Coast and the Gold Coast hinterland. So we moved all our stuff up to the Gold Coast. And then pretty much two days after we did that, I went to Bali with Lexi for eight weeks. Uh, Wade stayed with friends back in Sydney. He came to see us halfway through the Bali trip. And then when I got back from Bali with Lexi, uh, we, well, 
Technically, all three of us moved to the Gold Coast, but really Wade was just needed back in Sydney a lot more than he thought he would be. And and yeah, so that year I lived on the Gold Coast with Lexi for four months and, and Wade came back as much as he could. And then three months into that, I said, this is not working. I was so lonely. Uh, I mean, yeah, just looking back, I'm like, WTF were we doing? Um, but we did it and it was a good lesson. And and we moved back to Sydney then. Uh, moved back to Sydney. The first of August, I think we moved back and and set up shop again in a new part of Sydney. So in the midst of all this backdrop of a lot of, you know, personal change and challenge and transition, I was building my second business. So L- Lorraine Murphy. And that was mostly one-on-one mentoring. I started it in, in mentoring program for for entrepreneurs and I hosted a retreat in Bali later on that year I did a lot of things and it was pretty much I had been so laser focused on influencer marketing for five and a half years for that time that I owned the Remarkables group that I really I was so blinkered and I think what happened in 2018 when I kind of finally started this Lorraine Murphy business I kind of said, okay, I can just try everything. Like all those ideas that have been bubbling up for the last few years, I'm just going to fling spaghetti at the wall and make them all happen. And and that was a tough year in business. And and the biggest lesson from that year was just because I have built one business does not mean that the second one will be easier. And again, you know, looking back, it's so obvious those business models were so different to go from an agency model where I wasn't the product, like the influencers were the product and my team coordinated that product, i.e. the influencers, to a business where I was the deliverable. Like I, and you know, now I am obviously built more scalable ways of doing this now, but I was the product. And it's so obvious now when I look back, that's kind of double the work because I wasn't just building the business like I was with the Remarkables group. I was building the business and then I was the product, like I was the, you know, the, the cartons of milk being sold <laughs> from the shop. And and I found that hard and, and, I, and I was humbling because I, you know, again, being incredibly immodest, I was flying high. I had the awards, I had the massive revenue, I had the profile, I had the, you know, the, the know-how on how to build a brilliant agency and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I was, I really struggled to, to get that business started and to figure out what the model looks like and, and to nail it. Um, so yeah, biggest lesson that year, just because I had started one business does not mean it would be any easier for, for number two. Okay. So heading into 2019, 2019. So I'm now uh, into my second year of this second business and. I was still figuring out what I was there to sell, who I was there to serve. Again, just kept creating more and more things. I created my cook-up club, which was like a meal planning club that I ran for, I think, 13 weeks. Um, oh God, so many things. I'm not even going to bore you with the list. You know, more online programs. Um, and you know, great things. Like every single one of those things that I created, I loved. But the problem was that they weren't all laddering up to sign kind of some greater vision. It was Lorraine pretty much just let loose in the toy shop, creating cool shit, essentially. And what happened around March, April 2019, I started to get quite burnt out, felt quite lost, uh, just kind of lost my direction in the business. Like, love the mentoring could, you know, could still show up with bells on for all my mentees. But just in terms of, you know, what the point of it all was and what I was working towards, 
that was very blurry. I had like a super ambitious five-year vision, but just could not see how that laddered back to, all right, what do I actually need to do this year to get closer to that? It honestly felt like at this point, I was moving further and further away from where I wanted to be rather than closer and closer, which is pretty demotivating and, and deflating. So I was feeling pretty lost. I was feeling pretty burnt out. And in June, 2019, I had a miscarriage. And in August, I had a second miscarriage. Or sorry, we had a second miscarriage. And I started antidepressants and I took myself off to Bali for a week to just heal, rest, figure out what the hell I was doing. So I had a, I had a retreat. I, I designed my own retreat as I like to do and went to Bali, did the healing, did the yoga, did the meditation did the sleep. Oh my God. (laughs) Just thinking, imagine a week in Bali now on my own. I think I would just sleep for the whole thing. Um, Because obviously I got to go to Bali, but I had Wilder with me and he's, um, yeah, sleep consultant session is tomorrow as I'm recording this, this podcast episode for you. So yeah, it was just really, really healing. And I had a full day of strategy on the business. So I went away, packed my A3 sketch pads, all the, all the colored pens in the world. And, and I sat in, if any of you knew, know Ubud, uh, you might know of a restaurant called Alchemy, which is a vegan, I'm not vegan, but a vegan restaurant. And, and I sat there all day and just played with, you know, what would this look like? And God, I feel emotional just thinking about it. that was so special. The only way I can describe that day, it was like a download from my soul. It was, it just flowed like what the LM side of my business was going to look like. I created this whole other side of the business, which was for female entrepreneurs. And um, back then I was calling it babe. So bold, ambitious business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, that, that became bold darling. You know, bold darling was born on that trip in 2019. And as I already mentioned, I, I sat on it for a year and a half. And then this year it, it felt like the time 2022 was time to, to birth bold darling. But the biggest lesson that I had that year, sorry, just let me finish that. And then came back from Bali and I felt like a different person. I feel like I, 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 I don't think we're ever fully healed, but I had done a lot of the deep healing, particularly around losing the babies. I was so clear on the business. I remember the first Tuesday after I got back, marching into the co-working space and my team was AJ and Michelle at the time, just kind of bracing themselves for, oh my God, what is she about to unleash on us? And yeah, it was so exciting. So the biggest lesson, I, I feel like I, I, I pushed against gravity for a lot of 2019. And there's a really beautiful book that, um, I read and I wish I'd read it back then because it was so where I was at. It's a book called Wintering and it's all about the need to rest and retreat sometimes, you know, our kind of our cultural ideal or the, the kind of standard is that we just push through, make it happen, you know, blast through blocks, blah, blah, blah. And, and what I need, to, I should have done in 2019 is just to winter, you know, figure out how can we dial back our living expenses? What's the, the kind of the bare minimum that I would need to do in my business to, to keep it going and to keep servicing the people that I was already committed to? And, and just rest, yeah, rest. Oh God. I wish I could go back to Lorraine back then and say that to her because it would have saved so much pain. Oh, Jesus. So the lesson this, that year was rest is sometimes best. <laughs> sometimes you just have to stop pushing, pushing through concrete, you know, trying to wade through rapidly setting concrete and just winter, you know, just winter. So yeah, rest is sometimes best. <laughs> the lesson back then. And, and I also think it's, it, it reinforced my commitment to retreats for myself 
but also to keep creating them for 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 my mentees and, and my community because they're so important. I'm really excited to see that the women who are booking the Bull Darling Retreat in, in November this time, October, sorry, this year, because it's that, you know, that's what they're seeking, what I went away and found in Bali, that time, that clarity, that energy, that reconnection with yourself. That's that's what retreats are for. Um all right, 2020. So the year the music stopped, as my friend Julie describes it, uh, we had the vid hit. So I actually went to Bali again in February 2020, just just before the music stopped. And uh, remember, there was like Australians. I kind of seen Asians wearing masks when I've been overseas, but there was some Aussie young women on the same row as me flying back from Bali. I'm like, sorry, why are you wearing a mask? And they're like, oh, because this COVID nineteen thing. And I'm like, what? <laughs> When I look back, holy God, we had no idea what was coming. I had no idea. So, um, yeah, so COVID hit. Obviously, we went into self-isolation. I mean, don't need to bore you all with the story. You all had your own experience of of what 2020 felt like and looked like to you. And and I think throughout this year, it was, thank God I had an online offer. I had, you know, I had quite a strong online business already at that point. And, and a lot of my mentoring transitioned quite easily over to, to online. Um, and I know a lot of people were nowhere near as fortunate as me. And I had friends who lost basically their entire year's revenue, my speakers, um, consultants, you know, my own husband's business was absolutely knocked sideways and underground with, with COVID. And it was, yeah, really, really, really tough for so many businesses. And, and I think for me, the big lesson in 2020 was, I feel like this is when I started to, to think about really getting intention about streamlining and simplifying the business. I think going into 2020, I had about 17 offers within my business. So if you wanted to work with Lorraine Murphy, there were 17 different ways you could do it. Like, oh my God. When I think about it, cray, 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 cray. And, and I think I got it down to nine offers by the end of 2020, which to me felt epic because that's pretty much in my mind. I was like, that's having my, my offers. Um, but then if I think about it now, there is Bowl Darling and there's my one-on-one mentoring. And within the one-on-one mentoring, there's the VIP days, there's the power quarter mentoring and there's annual mentoring. And that's it. So, you know, top line, there's two offers. Bottom line is four and, and that's it. So yeah, that's where I'm at now. But back in 2020, it was really about really tuning into the things that made sense for me to continue doing in the business. And I do think that that's streamlining and simplifying. It's a constantly evolving beast. You know, this time next year, what I'm offering probably will be even more streamlined. I don't, I don't know. And I do know I will never go back to offering 17 or even nine things again. And I've actually got a great interview coming up over the next few weeks for you. Um, an interview with the entrepreneur, um, Brooke Vulanovic. And she, she and I talk about this as well. She's got a really powerful story to share around that streamlining and simplifying piece. So yeah, 2020, the big lesson was to streamline and say streamlining and simplicity is key, 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 key. So 2021, God, this is, this is quick. This has been a, a quick whistle stop tour of my 10 years in business. So last year, 2021 was about, <laughs> God. It's a blur. Had a baby, <laughs> uh, wrote my second book, my fourth book. And, and for me, last year was really about realizing that money blocks can be overcome. And I didn't touch on it, but back at the start of 2018, 
um, something that happened was I had a very, very unexpected run in with the ATO, the Australian tax office, due to a dodgy um, grant application company that I had used way back in 2015 in my, what, third year in business. And that resulted in a six-figure bill from the tax office, which absolutely knocked me for six, can't even tell you. And yeah, my money story to then had been pretty solid, like TRG. I mean, obviously freaked out about cash flow every now and then and worried that no one would ever want to work with us again. But I didn't have any heavy money stuff and all that money stuff landed in in early 2018. It really rattled my money story to the core and and I'd been trying to get on top of it since then. And 2021, so last year, I feel like I conquered the money blocks and we're always going to uncover more money blocks. If, if you want to know more about money blocks, uh, listen to my interview with Denise Duffel-Thomas. We talk a lot about it on the show. Um... But yeah, the, the, the money blocks thing was something I was really trying to navigate and, and conquer. And I feel like I really made massive headway in that last year. Last year felt like the first time in what, three, four years until then, before then, that I wasn't, money wasn't my biggest stress in my life. And yeah, it just shifted. And you know, my money story will probably go backwards at some point again. Hopefully it'll only be temporary. Um, But yeah, just last year, the money flowed when I needed it. And I feel like I finally snapped out of that scarcity complex that I had experienced for quite a few years. And just to give you an example, Wade and I, when I was getting ready for Babyland and I was stressing out about, you know, money and Babyland and his business situation and, you know, what he was going to be working at and, and, you know, just life basically with the second baby coming. And we sat down on the sofa one night and made like a almost like a hit list of all the things that would make us feel, mostly me, <laughs> feel more comfortable going into babyland and that, that would relieve that stress that I had. And and something I said to him was that I'd like 30K in a peace of mind fund. Um, just that, you know, stepping back from the business for three months while I have our beautiful baby and that 30K, that that to me, 30K equals peace of mind for, for that time, sitting in that particular, very specific peace of mind fund. And, and it wasn't there, you know, two weeks before I was due to go into babyland, that money was not there. We were all, I was, you know, I'd taken a chunk out of, as in I'd made a chunk of money in that account, put it into that account, but the 30K wasn't there. And I had an idea to sell off because I knew when Wilder, well, it wasn't Wilder at that point, it was a baby. I knew on the other side of that, that I would be changing my business quite a lot. I knew that kind of, that bull darling thing was coming post baby. And, and I knew that there were some courses that I probably wouldn't run in their original format again. So my Get Remarkably Organized program, um, my Couple Goals one, my Create Academy, all programs, which I love, but I kind of felt I probably won't run them again as they, as they are. So I did this massive sale, which I'd never done before. I called it the Babyland sale. And, and I sold those programs for $99 each. And, you know, the top one was like 497 when I originally sold it. Um, Academy was 197. I can't even remember. And, and I made 35 grand <laughs> in a week, which was just epic. And that was the peace of mind fund. So I feel like for me, that was the kind of, ah, the money's there. The money flows. The money's just energy. And you are in command of, of that energy, which 
probably sounds mental to to you listening now if you are in that kind of scarcity complex in that, that the scarcity space that I was in. But yeah, the money blocks can be overcome. And, and, and that, that was my realization last year. And, and I want that to be yours as well. I want you to have faith and to believe that you can, can, can. It is possible to turn your, your money story around and, and make it a really empowering, exciting, energizing space for you in your life. And, you know, honestly, if, if you had said this to, that I would be saying this <laughs> back in 2018, 19, 20, early 2021, I would have, like, yeah, you're, you're an absolute lunatic. You're talking smack, but you know, it's true. And, and this year again, 2022 has felt so in flow financially as well. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. And, Actually, as I'm recording this episode, this month is um, Money Month, <laughs> bold darling. So I'm actually hosting a masterclass for the group this Thursday coming, my monthly masterclass um, on you know how I turn my money story around and how, how they can do the same as well, if that's an area that they're focusing on at the moment. So yeah, that was the lesson last year. So we're up to 2022. So the lesson this year, so this year was about, I mean, Jan Feb was mentoring, uh, working with incredible mentees. And at the moment, they just seem to get better and better. And I launched Bold Darling. So there was a lot of getting ready for that. I launched that in March and we started that proper first of April. And I also actually, for the first time this year, and it's kind of, it's one of those things where you do something like, Ooh, why didn't I do this years ago? I actually approached some of my kind of ongoing mentees who, you know, one of my mentees, I think she was on like her fifth power quarter mentoring block with me. And, and I said to just a handful of mentees, would you like to work with me for the year? And, and that has been so rewarding this year. It's been so fun because we just go deep. You know, when you know you've got a whole year, we just, we've gone really deep and it's been so special to, to work with them. I've, I've just loved it. And of course, then my bold darling group and to see that materializing and see the bonds forming within that group. It's been, it's been really, really exceptional. And, you know, to get to do all of this alongside our family. Uh, I work mostly from home. I go into the city to see my mentees um, when I'm doing in-person sessions with them. But, you know, I, I work from home and I've been able to, <laughs> not not a good thing, but Wilder took a bottle for a while and then decided he was not taking a bottle anymore. So I've been able to breastfeed Wilder um, during this period and yeah, be there when Lexi comes home from school, drop Lexi to school. It's it's just seems to work, you know, that the business and, and the family seem to blend together quite, I don't want to say organically, because, you know, it does get messy like today. Last night was up a lot with two children. I think they didn't realize Lexi was, wasn't well. And I got the phone call, you know, the phone call from school at 11 a.m. I was mid, mid-meeting with my team and it was Lexi's teacher saying that she had a temperature and she needed to be picked up. So, you know, it gets messy. It's It's not all easy, but it does seem to generally flow together quite well. And I'm, I'm insanely grateful for that. And I'm actually going to do a whole month on the blend. I call it the blend of business and family. I, I don't like the juggle word. It stresses me out. So yeah, I've got a whole month coming up in Bell Darling on the blend as well. And just you know, passing on the lessons that I've had and getting, getting, getting some experts involved in that month as well. It's going to be a fun one. So what I realized this year is that anything is possible in business. I already recorded a podcast episode about my Bull Darling launch. So excited to open it again next week. And, you know, anything is possible that that I was able to create that, that it is the people, the women who are in that are in that, you know, just awesome. Literally awesome. I am in awe 
of, of my business and what I've gotten to do. And my day to day, I spent the morning planning my Bold Darling launch. I had four sessions. I had three mentoring sessions with my mentees. And then I had one wrap up session with the mentee who's really keen to keep going, which is always amazing. I'm recording this podcast episode. It's just, it's sweet. It's really, really, really sweet. And I'm really, 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 really grateful for that. In terms of future plans, I was like thinking, I was like, I wonder what I'll talk about when I'm like 20 years with, you know, with my own business. That's going to be so cool. And um, so just future plans again, immediate plans, I guess, to, to fill you in on. First of all, I'm going to be separating at Bull Darling. So from the Lorraine Murphy brand. So on the Lorraine Murphy brand, I'm going to have my one-on-one mentees and also my book revenue and speaking. I'm really not doing that much speaking. It's, it's not a priority right now. Love it when it's the right crowd, but it's, it's not a priority. But yeah, the Lorraine Murphy side of things is those, all of the above. And then Bold Darling then is essentially going to become my, it's already hopefully doing that, the brand umbrella for, for female entrepreneurs. So I've got new additions planned for that this year. And over the next five years, it's big. The vision for Bold Darling scares the absolute bejesus out of me, which I think is a good thing. And so, yeah, this year there's obviously the mentoring program that doors are opening for next next week and I'll open them again towards the end of the year as well. And uh, there's the Bold Darling retreat happening in October and yeah, more more to come. Watch the space on Bold Darling. So it's a bit of logistics. Like I, I want to, yeah, Bold Darling, it's, it's already living on its own website, but I want to fine tune that with my, with Zoe, my Kajabi guru. Um, updating my, my Lorraine Murphy website, scaling that back somewhat. And, and then, yeah, just two businesses, two, two ABNs, two zero files, two, 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 two. But I had a, a session with my lawyer and also with my accountant, uh, last month, April. Anyway, can't remember last month sometime. And they both agreed, look, it's better to do it now. Like knowing as they know now where Bell Darling is going, they said it's better to do it now. It's going to be a lot less painful now in the early days of Bell Darling than two, three, five years down the track. So yeah, just going to rip off the band-aid, do that, get it all set up and it will be fine. It'll be fine. Um, and then, yeah, so on the, the Lorraine Murphy side of things, that will be, as I said, that'll be the one-on-one mentoring. So I'll continue to offer power quarter mentoring, but I am very close to being full. I think I've got space for three more mentees maybe this year, towards the end of this year. Um, I've also got my VIP day offer, which is super fun. And as I said, yeah, the, the annual mentees. So just finalizing my plans for, well, not finalizing, working on my plans for 2023 is in calendar year at the moment. And I think I'll probably open like 10 annual mentee spots next year. And what I want to do is blend that with life affirming travel and experiences. That's where that's going next year. So I'm, I'm really, really excited for that. And, and also just tapping into mentors and coaches myself. I loved the day with the coach last year. Um, as I'm recording this tomorrow, I'm starting a, a three month, um, experience with another mentor. I've already teed up my next coach for after I work with her. So yeah, just, just constantly reinvesting in myself, you know, I guess taking my own medicine, (laughs) walking my own talk, you know, not expecting my mentees to invest in me if I'm not prepared to do it in myself. And every, every mentor and every coach that I work with makes me an even better mentor and a better entrepreneur. So it's pretty cool. And I actually find that helps me invest in, um, new mentors and coaches because I feel like, well, I'm I'm not just investing in me, I'm investing in what I can pass on to my mentees as well. So it's, it's, yeah, I, I like that idea as well. So yeah, overall in, in closing, I guess just my reflections on, on the last 10 years in business, it is not the easy path. I have learned that time and time and time again, that you know business is going to throw up 
all your shit, all your baggage, all your limiting beliefs. It is the biggest personal development undertaking that I've ever undertaken. It's, it's huge. You know, any of you who run your own businesses will, will, will have experienced that. And the, the more all out you play, the bigger that experience becomes, if that makes sense. And the other thing that I've realized is that it's when I started my business and actually something that Ronan, my business coach picked up on as well. We did this whole exercise around um, identifying what my highest guiding values were. And my highest value is freedom. It still is freedom. And I started my business because I wanted to be free. You know, I want this freedom. And for any of you who've kind of had a business for a while, um, you will know that very often, if not most of the time, if not always, it feels like the opposite of freedom. You know, you, you the book stops with you. You are the, this business. If the shit hits the fan, it hits the fan. You you are the fan. <laughs> you know, the shit hits you. And, and it's big, you know, it's a big responsibility, particularly when you're hiring people and people's families are dependent on the money that you're generating, when the stakes are high in terms of profile, you know, it's, it's big. So I, I released the idea of freedom quite a few years ago now. And instead, I think about the flexibility that my business offers me. And, you know, just what I was talking about, being able to plan this around my family to be able to like relatively spontaneously book two and a half weeks in Bali. And my business didn't skip a beat while I was away. And, you know, I I could do it from there. It's, it's pretty amazing. You know, it, it really is quite amazing. So I would just say that to you, if you're someone who's like, I want my business for freedom, maybe gently suggesting that you reframe that more as flexibility instead. And A, flexibilities are not more achievable. And and this is something Ronan raised actually when I when we kind of settled on the fact that freedom was my highest value. He kind of went, oh no. And I was like, what? What's the problem? And he said, there's a real problem when, when either freedom or success are someone's highest value, because how do you know that they're almost like they go on to infinity? Like you can always be more, more free. You can always, you can always have more freedom. You can always have more success. You know, where, where does it end? I guess was his point. So it's a hard one to quantify. So I find it much easier to quantify the flexibility in my life then I do the freedom, um, if that makes sense. I'm hoping that kind of resonates with some some of you listening. Thank you for listening to me on that. And and also just overall, it's just an absolute privilege to get to do this, you know, to get to have the day that I got to have. I was really tired going into my work day today and I just felt so energized as soon as I started working, you know, to have work that does that for me. That's huge. You know, I, I do not take that for granted for a moment that, that that's how I feel about it. And and also, just on a more, I guess, basic practical level, the fact that me as a woman can can have my business is it's, you know, this will be absolutely exceptional for quite a few cultures around the world where women do not get to do this. They do not get to have this privilege. And I'm also very, very, very conscientious conscious of the fact that I am very privileged. You know, I'm a white woman. He was born in, you know, Western society with all the opportunities under the sun. So I do see this as a huge privilege to get to do the work that I do and to have the people trust me who trust me. You know, my mentees, they open up their lives to me, not just their businesses, but their families and their, their innermost thoughts and secrets and hopes and desires and plans. And that's a huge privilege. You know, every time a woman takes me into her confidence during our work, I just go, wow, isn't this amazing? Isn't this amazing how much you trust me? Like what, what a privilege and honor. Um, so yeah, 
feel like I'm signing this off on a bit of, of an emo note, but um, yeah, that, that's how I feel about business right now. So as I said, it will be interesting to see what the next 10 years hold and what this episode will look like in, in 10 years time. And just a quick reminder before I do sign off on this very reflective, self-indulgent episode. I'm hoping there were lots of nuggets, nuggets in there for you throughout this episode. And Bold Darling Doors are opening next week. Please do register for my Systemize Your Life Masterclass. I'll pop the link for that in the show notes. It's happening on Thursday, the 16th of June, which is next week, if you're listening to this in the week after it goes live. And yeah. I'm excited to do this launch over the next few weeks. I'll be coming to your ears a bit more. There'll be, as I said, bonus episodes. And yeah, I'm, I'm feeling all all the launching buzz right now and would love to have you join me on, on that ride. And hopefully if Bell Darling is something that's calling to you and and you have resonated with what I've shared what I've shared in this episode, then yeah, check out Bell Darling. Would love to have you in there if, if it's one that's calling to you. So mwah, mwah, mwah. much love. I will chat to you again next week. Thank you for being part of this week's episode. It was remarkable to have you. I am always keen to hear your thoughts, questions, ideas, and suggestions for future topics for the podcast. So please get in touch on Instagram. My handle is at Lorraine Remarks and through my website, LorraineMurphy.com.au. If you're enjoying what I'm putting out here, please do rate, review, or subscribe to the podcast so more people can find out about it and we can build this special community. Or even better, do all three. Chat to you next week.